to Saint City Dreamers. Each week we talk to interesting people who are living their dreams. They found their passion and they are making the jump from thinking about it to actually doing it. Life is short and we believe everyone should dream big. So let's dive right in to this week's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Saint City Dreamers, where we interview people who are willing to make the jump in their life, to live for their dreams, to go for it, to be entrepreneurial, or whatever that means for them, they are living their dreams. And today we are at Morningstar Church in O'Fallon, Missouri, and I am sitting here with a filmmaker, filmmaker extraordinaire, Actually, not just a YouTuber or someone who posts photos or videos on Snapchat uh, with their phone, but somebody who actually understands the craft and lives for it every day. And while that might be cool all by itself, the even cooler part is this guy, Gabe Sheets, is 14 years old. Say hello to the people, Gabe. Hello, it's honored to be here, Dustin. Thank you, thank you. Yes, nice it is. Nice job overselling it. You are correct. It is It is nice to be here, and you're welcome. So Gabe is a friend of mine. He's a young guy who uh, I've had the honor of working with on some film film stuff, video stuff. and uh, ad type. Yeah, yeah, local stuff. Nothing, nothing huge. I know he's worked on huge stuff. And we'll get to that, buddy. Don't oversell yourself. Let me do that. That's my job. So Gabe, you make films. Tell us about that. Just first of all, I just don't even know where to start. You're 14 years old and you make films. You stay. You're a homeschooled kid, who Correct. his parents believe in him so much that you are allowed to stay home, do schoolwork, and work on your film stuff. Where did all this start for you? When did you know you wanted to make films? This started when I was six. This was more of a. Uh, I think my friends next door had gotten an iPod Nano when those came out. So just this little like green like brick, this metal aluminum brick, but it could record videos. And I always loved, my dad is a huge James Bond fan, so I'd always watch those. And as soon as he got that, we just started making more funny, stupid videos. And then as we were exploring the, the whole video idea, I wanted to do more action stuff, more uh, video, or not video, more more action and serious drama uh, type type stuff. And I want to explore different genres um, so it, it just got more serious, and I started exploring behind-the-scenes featurettes and just watching how uh, films got made and all the people that were involved in that. So I would, I would just, we, we started with the iPad Nano, and then I got an iPad, and we started filming on an iPad, and I'd edited an iMovie on a Mac, and we just watched, we didn't even post to me to YouTube. I mean, I think the biggest audience we would have is just parents, just showing the parents, other friends, and uh, just showing showing the videos. And I just love the idea of, I just, I love watching movies and you're super into it and there's this nice energy to it and the adrenaline of filmmaking. I think back then, that's what I was hooked on was the adrenaline of, of action, the adrenaline of the drama. So that's how I, I got hooked on it. So you started making films six years old with literally just basically an iPod. Yeah. I mean, you, you started making films on very sub subpar equipment, but you just enjoyed telling the story 
and the, the story sucked, but yes, it was very fun because and they didn't have stories. It was more of here I got this idea. It involves a spy. We got BB guns. Let's get a gun. Let's paint the tip orange, which is illegal by the way. So I wouldn't do that without contacting the authorities. But because we were kids, we didn't. Um, so we would just paint the tips uh, black, so it looked out real. I, I love it. I don't like audiences getting pulled out of the film, and I just learned that way back when, and I was like, okay, we're going to paint it. Everything needs to look real so it's convincing. Uh, so fake blood, uh, real-looking guns. Uh, I've been to the shooting range a few times, so we collect up uh, bullet shells and get shots of them dropping on the floor and use it for audio-type stuff, so everything looking real. Um, but even as a little kid, like you saw those shots in movies, and so you were sort of mimicking kind of yeah. what you saw, like like shell casings falling to the ground in probably slow motion or mm-hmm. whatever. So let's fast forward a little bit. Those, that, those, you were just goofing around at that time, but yeah. but later in life you got you got more serious about films. Uh, where did that come from? Uh, I think it was just um, I started to get tired of the whole. Um, cause how we would do it back then was we would want to film an action scene and we would try to explain it in a story and we were just making up stories. We went, there was no script or anything. It was just off the top of our heads and working with other kids and working with friends who aren't as into it as you are was beginning to become a burden as well as I just wanted to make a film that, that felt like the real deal. That wasn't just a, as we, I like even the way we talked about them, there's definitely a distinction between movies and our videos. We would call them videos. So I really wanted to make the leap from doing videos to actually doing films. So I started uh, learning about writing, started learning about you know producing, directing, writing, and that's when I figured out that I wanted to be a director. Was uh, I figured out what a director was. I watched like J.J. Abrams in the behind the scenes of Star Trek, uh, Christopher Nolan talking, Ridley Scott talking about Alien, um, just just all the best directors and studying what they do and I just love how methodical they talked and how, how much passion was in their craft and so after learning about the role of the director to say I want to be a director and I want to take this very seriously, I want to make really good films, uh, films that people pay money to see. And I know it just, it's just grown more and more as I've gotten into it and it's become more serious and emotional for me as I've gotten into the whole process, which is silly because, I mean, if you look at it from an objective point of view, from the universe, I mean, they're just like this small part of, uh, the kind of, they're this small part of our lives because, um, I mean, it's, it's more of a last-minute deal on a rainy day. People are like, hey, let's catch a movie. You know, who's got 20 bucks? You go, you ordered your pop, you, uh, you buy a ticket, and you just go see a movie. But I know there's, there's this certain depth that I see in movies that just makes them so special. So it's, it's sort of this interesting dichotomy between how the world sees movies and how I see movies and sort of trying to merge them of, of what... It sort of means I went off on a tangent and it's okay. sort of got lost. No, it's okay. So, um, so you you started off with credit equipment. You made a couple of quote unquote videos, and then you guys, and then you decided, hey, I want to make films. Yeah. I want to make movies. So, so how did that process change for you? Did you kick out your friends? 
I didn't say. kick out my friends. My friends just got super uninterested in it. It's like, and a couple times while we were doing videos, they would say, I'm done. I quit. That's, this is my final one, but I'd always pull them back into it. I don't know. It's, it, filmmaking is sort of this addiction. It's like a drug. Like, you get hooked on it, and you're like, ah, I'm tired of this. But then you come back, and it's like, it just, when you aren't doing it, you just are kicking yourself because of how much fun it is. And I think the process is, it ju it's just so much fun to, to just live in an imaginary world. It sort of goes back to being a kid of just being, having this infinite imagination and feeling free. Uh, so that's, that's where I think they, the, why they would always come back is because of how much fun it was. Um, but eventually, uh, they just got older, school became more prevalent, and we just sort of parted ways and I started developing uh, more professional type films where you would have everything scheduled, you would write a script, and we sort of got out of the whole video thing and I was uh, steering towards filmmaking. And so when you when you kind of matured, your friends maybe got into different things, sports or whatever, you started to mature and you started to, to write these scripts and produce higher quality films, you started working with better equipment. I know that you started working with some professionals, some industry people. Is yeah. that correct? Tell, tell me about that. Uh, well, I met, I think when I was about 11 or 12, I met this fine gentleman named Stephen Lippman. And he had made a couple, he had made a, a, I think it was a 58 minute, so it wasn't necessarily a feature film, a 58 minute film, and had sort of released it on DVD. Um, so we, we connected, my mom actually connected us, and from there we just started talking about filmmaking, uh, and he introduced me to the crew he worked with on his, uh, on his 58 minute film, which was called Sons of Georgia. And I met with them, and they were really cool, they were very nice to me, um, they sort of brought me into their world as a brother, and we just, they, we just sort of learned together. Um, and I, I think, uh, I mean, the first time I met these brothers, I was trying to put together this, I think, 50-page script, and I wanted to film it that summer. Uh, and I asked them, I was like, hey, I'm looking for a crew. Um, are you guys interested? And they were immediately interested in working with me. So I showed them the script. They were impressed with the script, but they did think that a 50-page script was way too much for my... I mean, this was my first official film with planning and in an actual script, so they encouraged me to write more like a five-minute piece. So I wrote a five-minute piece, and we filmed it, and it's a short film that you can watch on YouTube called Writer's Block. And that was my first experience working with a real crew, working with these brothers and, uh, and directing, like real professional directing for the first time. Yeah, and we're going to have that on the St. City Dreamers page, so you'll be able to watch that right on the website. Um, and I and I encourage you to do so. It's it's a very, um, it's just a well made piece. It's it's interesting. Uh, it's well lit. It's well directed. Um, and so when you're looking at uh, your own YouTube videos or your own uh, smartphone videos in the future, you're going to be uh, a little bit embarrassed that you uh, aren't putting some more energy and time into it, right? Uh, I'm talking to the audience, of course, not you. Uh, so. Um, you, you wrote the script, um, came 100% from your imagination. Uh, how did you find the actors? You know, how, you, know you, you told us how you found the crew. Yeah, 
The uh, so my mom is a is a more entrepreneurial spirit, and she has a very big network. So immediately, she she basically helped me plan the film, and I went to her. Uh, we both sort of worked together trying to find this uh, film cast. I mean, there's only one main character, so and, and that in itself was a very difficult task to find, which I didn't even realize it was going to be that hard until we got into the whole casting process and calling up friends and calling up uh, uh, she had friends that had sons that uh, were models and just just talking to all these different people um, and getting extras was hard and I think it was the first time I realized how much work went into making a short five minute piece um, I think it's I can't remember who put the statistic out or this number but I think it's about 36 hours for each uh, page of the script, thirty-six wow. hours of planning. Um, so that that was my first experience uh, learning about how to get everybody involved, how to schedule it professionally. Um, but yeah, it was very challenging to get uh, people involved and interested in a project that a twelve-year-old was doing. As I was twelve at that time, uh, so. Well, I mean, I'm I'm assuming everybody thought it was going to be childish, but it isn't. Yeah. It isn't at all. It's actually a very mature piece. Well, I mean, you could say that. I don't. I don't necessarily. I for a twelve-year-old, it is. I mean, it is. Uh, and of course, I could go off on a tangent critiquing my own uh, piece. I mean, I think the best part that came out of writer's block was how good it looked. Um, I think that's the biggest achievement was mm -hmm. that it it looked very good, and I think the camera movement is very good. I could myself, I could probably tear apart the writing and where there are flaws, but it, and, and even though I could, uh, I still do think it's a, it's a fairly solid piece. Yeah. Well, Gabe, I just want you to be, I just want you to understand, in context, when I was 12 years old, I was playing Super Mario and trying to eat as much, like, you know, frosted flakes as I could. Like, that was my ambition, so, you know, give yourself a little bit of credit. That is true. Uh, I just, I see, there, there's millions of filmmakers, and I see so many people fail and I see so many people who are making films but their films suck so I, I, I try to be very hard on myself because I do not want to I mean film is my my favorite thing it's it's my passion and I, I want to make the best films I want to make I know not the best films uh, I think there's ego attached to that but I want to make masterpieces pieces that that really affect people um, things that uh, and, and I go back to Christopher Nolan, who's like my favorite director. Um, and just, just uh, when you go and sit in a movie theater in this dark room and you have nothing to focus on but the film itself and you're just pulled into that world, and I think the best thing you can do as a filmmaker is just blow somebody out of the water. Uh, you can just change their perspective on the world and how they see reality. I think that's the most powerful thing you can do with filmmaking. That's what excites me is the ability to sort of shatter somebody's reality, which is what Christopher Nolan tries very hard to do with a lot of his work. I would say, I mean, it's very, film is very subjective, but I would say he succeeds like 100% of the time, but with like his, as far as like an Inception and Memento, where he's sort of, uh, with Memento, it's sort of asking the question of what is memory and Inception, what is reality, because you're going into these different dreams and sort of confusing the audience, and I just like that. Uh, that idea of making the audience question their own reality and making them see it in a new way. Um, so, and I think the 
going going on the whole uh, what what movies are best at. I think they're best at uh, asking questions and leaving it up to the audience to find the answer. Hmm. So you was I think it was last summer you got to go off. What, you're in North Carolina, South Carolina? Yeah, I went off on a Christian feature film set in North Carolina, uh, an awesome town called Lumberton. Um, and it, it was it was a great experience. Just uh, I mean, on Writer's Block, I learned a whole lot with putting together projects and actually directing a project. But with this feature film that I went on, I was working as a second AC, which basically means I was doing the clapboard slate and helping around with the camera team. So I really got to see what it what it's like to work on uh, on a feature film set uh, as a part of the crew. And that was a huge eye-opener of seeing what all goes into uh, being being a part of the crew and helping out uh, with with the whole production. Um, and, and I think it was hard for me to sort of take a step back because I'm so used to wanting to make the best thing and I'm, I'm constantly uh, wanting to sort of direct things because I have such a vision uh, that it, it was hard for me to sort of step back and say, I'm not the director here, I'm just the second AC, I just need to, my job is to just be a support unit and help with the director of that film's vision for the project. So what did you learn on that set? Um, well, it's, it's interesting because that set was a very, and uh, in, in many ways, I mean, I had so much fun meeting so many different people, and I think it was a, a huge, uh, it, it was a, a definitely a new experience for me because I'd never, like, taken a road trip, so it was like a 14-hour road trip just to get out to North Carolina, and all the people I met on set, I just never expected it to go that way of where you... I mean, just the, I mean, when you go to the theater and see a movie, you just don't get to see what goes into making them, and it, it just is so wonderful uh, on set, because you're working with so many great people, and just these relationships that are all coming together to make this film, so that's something that I sort of saw with this, is that, uh, and something that I gained from this project is the, just the relationships and being around people who are like you, being around people who are very passionate and being around people who are just overall good people. Um, but as a set, I would say it did have its problems and a lot of things, as, as with all sets, fell apart. So it's very interesting to see just the drama that can happen on set when things start to go wrong and how things can fall apart very quickly. Hmm. So is that film out now? Uh, yes, it's it's a film called Shake Off the World, and you can get it on Amazon. Um, so yes, it is. Cool. Is your out. name on there somewhere? It is. It's in the credits. That's awesome. As Second AC. Very cool. So, so what are you working on now? Right now, I'm working on a uh, short film. Um, I it's about a 21 page script, and I'm just I I think I wrote it in January, and I've been. I've been so focused on doing a lot of website work and doing a lot of school work. Uh, l luckily, I've taken this month off from school work and I've just been able to focus on pre-production, but I'm trying to, uh, to put it together, um, trying to plan it, get scheduling done, get a crew put together so that I can come out and say, yes, I'm doing this film and I'm hoping to shoot it in September and 
do a festival, a film festival route, and just for about a year or so try to get it into some film festivals. Right on. Well, the questions I ask everybody at the end of the podcast uh, are the same, and you're young, so uh, one, the first question is, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. That would be a filmmaker. Well, I'm still a kid, so it's pretty easy. Sure. And, you're, and so the other question is, if you, could, if you could do anything and you knew you could not fail, what would you do? I would be a filmmaker. <laughs> this is a very easy interview. Uh, and then the last question is, are you living your dreams? Uh, yeah. I, and I think a lot of people mistake living the dream as the destination of that dream. The fantasy that when you are in bed at night thinking about where you're going to be, that the dream is being there where you imagine yourself in 10 years. But I think living the dream is the process of getting there. And I'm definitely, I mean, the process is hard, but I'm definitely enjoying it right now. It's profound words from a 14-year-old. Where can people find you online? Uh, well, I have a website that's super dated, and I, might, I look like a baby in all the pictures, but I have a website called idirectfilms.com, as well as, uh, I have a Twitter, it's like, at Gabe Sheets, I have an Instagram, I, I'm probably most active on Instagram, I, I like to try to post a sort of artistic picture every day, um, and that would be, I think it's at Gabe underscore Sheets. Right on. Well, thanks for being with us. Uh, you are an inspiration. Uh, I'm excited about your next film. And uh, everybody, go to the, go to our website, San City Dreamers, and check out his page uh, and check out his his first short film. And uh, we'll we'll try to keep up with him and add more content and tweet out when he does more cool stuff in the future. So, thanks for being with us. Say goodbye, Gabe. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks a lot, Saint Saint City. Keep dreaming.